Sweden rolls up to Nordsjön in Skellefteå, northern Sweden on the 27th and 28th of May 2022. We will do a live show on each of those dates up in Skellefteå Arena on the uh, Nordsjön convention, one of the biggest gaming convention in northern Europe. So make sure to get your asses up there and come see us, come say hi. So check out Nordsjön n-o-r-d-s-k-e-n dot s-e uh, surf in there, get your tickets, get your passes, get everything you need to come see Sweden Rose live in late May of 2022 see ya Sweden rolls once again. It is time for a very special interview and today we are joined by none other than Andreas Lundström, podcaster, extraordinaire and composer of RPG soundtracks and also a game master of no small note. Welcome to Sweden rolls, Andreas. Thank you very much, Magnus Jeter. We are so happy to have you here today and happy to give the listeners the unique opportunity to learn more about you and what makes you tick. So, uh, tell us more about yourself. Who are you? Well, I'm Andreas Lundström. I'm 44. I live in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, I'm a divorced dad of four. And um, as you said, I create uh, RPG soundtracks. I write some for RPGs as well. I... Uh, I have Sweden Rolls podcasts. I don't know if you heard about it, but it's, it's turned out to be quite successful. And so I heard about you winning some award or something. Uh, yes, we get we get got a good some good list places on some annual lists uh, three consecutive years. So it's been yeah, it's been going pretty well actually, and we are so happy to have um, uh, to have this pandemic behind us. We can go to conventions and do live shows again. It's Oh yes, that, that's interesting actually. Since, since you you run a podcast, and and basically that's that's what most people know about you, and also that you write soundtracks to mm. um, mostly free league games. Yes, exactly. Predominantly yeah. so far. Yeah, I'm open for other suggestions though. Um, before we dive deeper into what makes you uh, uh, run the podcast and and do what you do, uh, how did you get started in gaming? Did you start with Drakar och Demoner, like so many of your guests? Yes, I, uh, I've been asked this question before. It's, it's uh, in my opinion, quite an interesting story because, you know, back in the 80s, I'm sadly like two, three years too young to have been caught up in the Drakar och Demoner frenzy of the 80s. Uh, but I did have some friends in late 80s playing AD&D, second edition. And I saw their books and I was like, this looks awesome. Uh, when can I join? And they were like, no, you can't join. Uh, and these were friends. They, like three of them were classmates of mine and one was one year older. Uh, and they're like, like the stuff I heard from them was very similar to what I've heard that many female gamers of the 80s and early 90s got to hear like, no, you wouldn't understand this mm-hmm. or you can't do this. We already started, it's too late. Uh, so I couldn't join them. 
But I still was intrigued by, by these things called role-playing games. I didn't really understand what they were because there were no actual plays back then. And I'd never seen anyone play it. So I bought a box of Mutant 2. A oh. Swedish box. Uh, and I didn't understand anything. But I thought the dice were the coolest thing I ever saw. And I just, what do you do with these dice? They look so strange. Uh, and since that was an expansion and you needed the exactly. core books mm-hmm. to do to play it, I never got around to playing with any of my other friends. I also bought the um, the Barbarian's Handbook for ADD 2nd Edition uh, and just looked at all the art and looked at all the stuff and I didn't understand anything because, again, this was only an expansion. Mm. Uh, so there were no chapters like, what is a role-playing game? Mm. So it wasn't until uh, in, when I started what we in Sweden called gymnasiet, which would be equivalent approximately to high school in the US, yeah. uh, age of 16. I just by coincidence came in the same class as a guy who'd been playing Draco de Mone predominantly and also the other Aventure Spiel target yeah. game stuff uh, for uh, since, yeah, since late 80s, early 90s. And uh, he asked me to join their group and then I, I got to join them. My first session of actual being in a, a role-playing session, I got a character who was a magician. He had a magic bracelet which could do anything because the, the game also was very kind giving me this just to try and get my fantasy going. Like, you can do whatever you want. And I, we met a vampire who lured me into an alley and then I got like 30 seconds to act. I was like, what do you do? What do you do? And I was so shocked. I was like, what can I do? I don't know. What do I do? Uh, I couldn't get a word out. And he was like, bang, she bites you. You're now a vampire. You need mm-hmm. a new character. Ah, so, so you... He felt that yeah. I could have done so much, but I just, I just froze. So. That's, that's, that's a very common thing. It's, it's a, me being a game master. It's, it's, I think it's many times during a session that I ask, what do you do? Mm. Well, what's the option here? What's the option? No, what do you do? What do you do? Mm. So, so, and the analysis paralysis thing is, yeah. is very real. Yeah. Um, but it's it's funny you say that that you started. Well, the first thing you bought was, was the mutant two box because mm. that's also very complicated and mm. very detailed. So it's. Mm. A thing. But did you have any other interest in, for example, I know that you're you're fond of uh, an obscure uh, writer called uh, named uh, Tolkien. Mm-hmm. And was that before or after yeah, role Yeah, I, I, I discovered him in seventh grade, and that is like 13, 14 years of age. I discovered him, got recommended to read him, uh, I think primarily actually by one of the guys in the AD&D group, oh. uh, who was a dear friend of mine, and, and he recommended me reading Tolkien. And I think also my mom had read him and, and was like, yeah, you should read this, this is good, it's good stuff. And I read it, I read I think I started with the trilogy and read The Hobbit afterwards, I think, I'm not sure, I think so. But I just, you know, I just, I, I didn't read anything else, I didn't do anything else. And every hour of the day I just plowed through it. Mm. And it was, so, yeah, and so then I started, you know, reading Silmarillion and Unfinished Tales and all those books. So in that group, when I started playing Draco de Mone, we started playing uh, the Swedish version of the Merp role-playing game, 
And it took three sessions and then the game master was like, okay, you're game mastering this game from now. I can't take any of your lore lectures. You can do that. And because he was a forever GM, so he was yeah. a GM for Cult, for Shadowrun, for Draco de Mooner, like uh -huh. every game we played. Yeah. So he was like, can you give me a break and yeah. just take the reins on this? And I was like, how can I game master you? You've been playing for, you know, five, six, ten years. I can't game master you. Mm -hmm. He was like, yeah, you can do it. Can. So I started writing a huge, very oh, of course. ambitious campaign. Of course, they always do. What, what is it with gaming that makes it so fun for you? For me, it's all about the narrative. I think like creating a story together. Like, because I've always been extremely fascinated with that ever since, you know, when you were... When you were playing Cowboys and Indians or, or whatever you were playing when you were a kid. Um, I was a huge Star Wars fan from mm. an early age, like four yeah. or five years age. Uh, so we played a lot of Star Wars and I always loved like creating stories, like having a, a canon story as a basis and then improvising around that. That was a lot of what, what my you know, playing games was, was about when I was a kid. So I think I've always been very fascinated by that. And, and yeah, of course, to this day, I am, uh, there's nothing I love more than sitting with a group of friends and like creating stories together. But I, I have to admit, okay. I do have to admit that I do have a big fascination for the number crunching as well. I do like leveling up. Uh, I think that's why... I do think that the second edition of the One Ring, for instance, is a very good iteration. I think it's a good. Uh, I think it's a very good game. I don't think it's a much greater game than first edition. I think because I kind of like this stuff. You roll, you get an XP point from because coming from the old Draco and the Mourner, as a basis, you know, you you roll and if you succeed, you get experience point from that roll. I there's something in that that has set itself really uh, you know thoroughly within me so I do like uh, it's very it's very hip today to say no I could play games without dice or it's all about the story I don't like dungeon crawling yeah. I kind of like dungeon crawling as well mm -hmm. I like combat so I like the tactical aspect of it I like Dungeons and Dragons because there's so much you can do with the combat in Dungeons and Dragons uh, with all these spells and maneuvers and feats and all things that you can do. So I, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, uh, primarily it's all about the narrative and the role-playing and improvising, but I do like the number crunching and the leveling up stuff as well. Otherwise, it, otherwise it wouldn't be a game, would it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or, or wait, wait, wait. Now, now uh, the podcast would get angry emails from from freeform uh, yeah, gamers, exactly. of course. But I've said this a thousand times too in other interviews. So I, I think our listeners are are used are to aware it. Of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so you decided to start a podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you think of the name? Sweden rolls. Well, me and Jacob started the podcast. We. Uh, I contacted him because he's a well-known actor. He's done tons of theater and, and a lot of like TV shows and, and even movies now. Um, and he's an old friend. He's my old drama teacher from gymnasiet, actually. And I, um, I, I said to him like, "Do you know some actors 
who might be interested in joining a, an RPG podcast. What was the question again? This is the wolf's name. Yeah, so we were talking about what, what do we want to do? Do we, because most, like, 95% of all podcasts play, plays D&D. 95% of all, 5% of all players play D&D. So if you want to be the biggest podcast in the world, you have to play D&D. And, but then you also have to compete with these other 95%. Mm-hmm. We do something unique. Uh, so we, we started with actually, like, choosing what to play. So we both said we should play fantasy because fantasy was, is what most people associate with RPGs. And I had backed the Forbidden Lands uh, core book, the core set, and said that there's this really cool Swedish publisher called Fjallliga, and they're making this really cool game based on the old Rock and Amoner art. So it has, it's a new thing, but it's also a retro thing at the same time. It's a publisher that's very up and coming. They're going to be huge in a while, I predicted back then. <laughs> and, and yeah, so, so we said, okay, so let's play, there. Let's play that game then. Mm-hmm. And then we said, well, how about if we only play Swedish games, uh, but Swedish games that are written in English because we want to do it in English. That was like from the get-go, from the start. We knew that we wanted to, like, if you want to reach a big audience, you have to do it in English. So, yeah, so we... What's so important about reaching a big audience? Well, I mean, we are having a lot of fun with it, but we want it to be successful. I want to, I wanna, like, quit other jobs and work with Sweden Rolls uh, full-time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not going to happen if you have 200 listeners. So you have to, you know... Having an RPG actual play podcast, that's so narrow <laughs> already. Yeah. And if you're going to do it for Swedes only, that it's so narrow. It's yeah. so narrow. I mean, there are some, some podcasts in Sweden playing Swedish, it's playing in Swedish. And I think like that where they are is kind of the, the peak where you can go. Like you can't get much more successful than that. Yeah. And even that was not really enough for what, what our aspirations with the podcast is. So, so yeah, so we, so we settled on playing Swedish games in English. And then we said we should, if we're having this really sweet, because in gaming, both in digital and in analog, like pen and paper games, Sweden is almost synonym with quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, internationally, people all over the world who are gamers know that if it's a Swedish game, it's probably going to be a very high quality game. So um, we thought, well, let's lean into that heavily and say we play, we're Swedes playing Swedish or based in Sweden because both Dominic and Angela mm-hmm. uh, aren't Swedish, but they they lived in live in Sweden. And uh, yeah, so we we said let's lean in heavily on that and let's even have it in our names. In the, in, the, in the name of the podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, something with Sweden. And then we thought, isn't it a fun play with, with words, with doing Sweden roles, because Swedish roles mm-hmm. is the cinnamon buns. Um, and it's also, I mean, a lot of podcasts have roles in the, in, in the title. Um, and I mean, we, we don't mind being compared like to, to Critical Role, for instance, which, which have reached more success than any other RPG podcast stream. And since 
we also have actors as players. I thought, you know, like, well, if people wanna, if people would wanna ask for like, we want critical role, but we can't pay them half a million kroner to fly them over here. Like, mm-hmm. we, who should we get? Well, you should get the closest thing. You should get Sweden Rose. Yeah. So like, uh, it was it was, yeah, a small percentage of the decision of choosing something with roles was that, okay, there could be a connection with Critical Role mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's how we chose to make it. I, th- I think it's interesting uh, that uh, the, the name is also a, a very good descriptor of, of uh, how you are unique, mm-hmm. what, what you bring to the table. Mm-hmm. You bring Swedes playing role-playing games to the mm-hmm. table, mm-hmm. which is something that if you were had a more generic name, you wouldn't have that sort of instant recognition. Mm-hmm. But was it difficult to find, uh, for example, Anneli or or, or uh, Matthias, uh, who were okay with speaking English? No, no, not at all, not at all, because you know when we started, we didn't have Matthias. Uh, so England, uh, uh, Angela and Dominic, obviously, from America and, and, and from Britain, no problem. And then Jacob, we were the ones who decided to do it in English. Yeah. And Anneli, uh, she had been going to conventions in the States for a long while. And I think she even does a few uh, voiceover jobs in English. Uh, and I knew that she had a good accent. So, no... Like Angela, Dominic, and Anneli, they were our first pick. Mm-hmm. We sat down and we made a list of like who do we want and what do we want them to bring to the table and who do we know. So Anneli and I, we were neighbors at the time, okay. or we had been neighbors. I'd recently moved moved out of there, uh, so I got in touch with her and asked uh, if she wanted to join. And we had a, a short meeting, short a short fika. <laughs> and uh, and I presented the idea, and she said, "This sounds really fun. This sounds awesome. I'll I'll gladly do it." And I don't know how Jacob's talk with Dominic and Angela went, like in details, but I know that he said those were the names. He said we should have these two because Angela is a brilliant uh, with improvisation, and she's uh, such a character and such a you know she's really good at this. And Dominic is of course like among the best in Europe with storytelling like that. So we have people from different branches of acting. It's not like, it's not just for voice actors or for actors. Like we have a voice actor, we have a narrator, we have a theater actor, we have a improvisator slash master of ceremony. Uh, So it's, yeah, it's... um, But but both, no, both, uh, Angela, Annelie and Dominic hadn't played role-playing games before. No. So they were totally yeah. new. I think Dominic said he tried it once, you know, back in the 80s, yeah. 90s. Uh, Jacob, yeah. he, he's been a gaming pal of yours for a long time. Uh, we, we did a little bit of role-playing in, yeah, like around 95, 96. Okay. But it wasn't much. So so how do you know each all, other? Uh, he was my old drama teacher. Oh, yes, you said. You said yeah. Yes, yeah. you told me. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. Okay, so was it difficult... Uh, to work with uh, unexperienced role players while trying to create a, a role-playing adventure campaign that still was interesting for fans of role-playing games to listen to? Mm-hmm. 
I didn't find it difficult per se. I mean, of course, I think if you listen to the first two seasons, I think the, that you, you'll find that now and again I, I will like, okay, so it's like this. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I, I wouldn't say difficult. Uh, I, I would lie if I said there, there hasn't been time, times of frustration. But, but it's, I mean, it's all in good fun. And also, I mean, when we started the podcast, we felt that this might be a, an advantage for us because the game was so new. Mm. We recorded all the episodes before the game was out. Yeah. Uh, because we got, we actually got Fria Ligan's first uh, printer copy, the, the trial Mm-hmm. Uh, the proof cop- the, yeah exactly okay. the, that they got I think they got two and we got one of them wow because you still I, have it yeah I still have it yeah, yeah. an or, artifact I yeah. have it or Jacob has it uh, one of us has it yeah cool we, and also with Nisse Gullikson illustration in the yeah so yeah uh, yes yeah, so we got that one so we we recorded like the full first season in three days how did you how did you get in touch with the uh, free league on free league i think i i, I had had contact with nils Kerlian mm-hmm. uh because i had a swedish language podcast before this called tanning in the castal oh um, yes yeah yes, yes. and we had done a coriolis one shot and i had asked them for uh, a prize for a giveaway and uh, I think Panilla Sparhult, who was uh, guest game mastering that, she was supposed to ask him, but then I think she never got around to it. And I was just like, I'm just going to send him a message on 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 Facebook and see if he answers. Like, hi, I'm a GM for this. So I had a, a little bit of contact with, with Nils. And then, um, yeah, and then quite shortly after was when we decided to start planning, starting Sweden Rolls. And I, I told him the story that, you know, uh, I want to bring actors into this because we want it to be... I mean, I'm not saying that it's not entertaining when it's role players, but I do feel that professional actors has another level of, you know, character portrayal mm-hmm. uh, skills. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I told them about this and they thought it sounded very interesting and they would be happy to support us in whichever ways they could. So they they let me see like early PDFs and also gave us this, they had just gotten it mm-hmm. from the printers, like the same day I was wow. there, because I wanted some input on the campaign. Yeah. Uh, I was like, would this fit? Do you think that this would work? And um, and, and then you, yeah. you, you got to talk to Eric, who, who wrote, yes, exactly, the, wrote yeah. the game mm-hmm. world as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, also, yeah, I also bounced the ideas of the campaign with him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I went up there to his house in Uppsala and, uh, for, to do an interview. Uh, and I ended up staying for 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 dinner with his niece, mm. who's cool. now a dear friend of mine as well. Cool. I I think that that it's it's interesting what you say about uh, actors adding a layer of portrayal, character portrayal. I also think that what drew me in as a listener to Sweden Rolls because I listen to their podcast. I mm. have to say I'm a mm. fan, and what what Thank drew you. me in was. That the that all three were part of the storytelling development as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you you can tell that Dominic, for example, is 
is a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a professional storyteller. Mm-hmm. So he, he sort of weaves in the narrative and sort of looks mm-hmm. forward and looks backward mm-hmm. and is not solely focused on the characters. So, so I think that mm-hmm. that's also something that the, mm-hmm. those actors add. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very positive and, mm-hmm. and interesting. Yeah, exactly. That's and that's why you want the people from different back, like acting kinds mm-hmm. and backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so um, it's a little bit different the gang is playing now. Anneli is still with uh, mm-hmm. with the group, mm-hmm. and we have uh, Jacob, Jacob. We have Jacob coming in and out mm-hmm. depending on how he, how his schedule, his schedule is. is yeah. uh, Dominic has been in in England, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he's so. missed. Uh, I mean, we we on purpose didn't include him in Coriolis so that we would be able to have something to play uh, when he wasn't around. Yeah. Actually, that's how that started. Yeah. Um, doing another campaign because we need something like more ongoing for when Dominic wasn't available because he like early on he was the one who was most difficult. Yeah. So how so how did you find Ingela and Matthias? Well, Matthias is an old friend of mine as well. Uh, from around the same time as I got to know Jacob, uh, me and Matthias we actually lived together for a year in the same apartment, and uh, we used to play role playing games. Uh, quite a lot back in the day. So, uh, and it's so funny because when I started the Swedish language podcast, the Turning Cast Up, the basis of that group was a group playing the One Ring first edition. And I said, hey guys, let's let's start a podcast. It'll be great, it'll be fun. And Matthias was in that group. And he was adamant about, no, role-playing games is my hobby. I do this for fun. I don't want to make a podcast out of it because then it's a product and then it's going to feel like work. Mm. I don't want to do this. So <laughs> I don't know what changed his mind, but you know, after after we uh, actually we I think it's yeah before we knew that Angela was leaving, it's uh, I, I needed a guest for a Western one shot, so I called him and I said. I mean, we we're having so much fun with yeah. this. You should really try it. Come, mm-hmm. come, come, join us for one shot. Let's just do, do one shot. And and he came along, and we had a lot of fun. And and I said, you because what I loved about having him in the group is that I think the listeners will recognize this as well. Is that he is an experienced role player yeah. as well as an actor. Yeah. So he will sometimes come up with these solutions mm-hmm. that the other players won't. Mm-hmm. So he's really adding something to the pot that was that I felt was needed to bring the gaming part of it to the next level. Yes. I I, I, I could start including yeah. mysteries and intrigues yeah. in a way that wasn't really possible no. before. It, earlier earlier episodes I felt was was more like they were more like control the chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh where where uh it's something that I thought about. Especially when you played Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. Strangely enough, because that was rather late, you had played a lot of Forbidden Lands mm-hmm. and stuff. But then the group really sometimes acted as the new bees they are. Mm-hmm. For example, mm-hmm. when they were asked by the City Watch to uh, come along, and they mm-hmm. took it as as a mortal insult, and yeah. and, and uh, ended <laughs> up fighting them, even I don't know, killing some city guards, and yeah. then yeah. walking out there and saying. Why are they mad at us? Why yeah. are they mad? And that's so classic role-playing 
newbie behavior. Newbie behavior, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think Matthias has added, added some, some, some direction to that. Ingela, uh, where did you find her? Uh, uh, she's, she's an acquaintance of Matthias. So Matthias yeah. brought her in. Uh, mm-hmm. So he had joined just like maybe half a year before, I think. And uh, and uh, by then, after a while, we we knew that we, we weren't gonna fit Angela's schedules in ours, and no. it wasn't gonna work. So I I was very I felt very very strong that we need another female player, and so I asked everyone, do you know someone? Is someone we can bring in? And Matthias said, well, I have I have this I have this uh, woman called Ingela. Uh, she teaches. Uh, English, uh, British dialects. She's a dialect coach uh, for for the opera, and I was like, "She's a dialect coach. <laughs> Fucking bring her. Yeah. We need her. Yeah. That's not that we need dialect coaching. I meant, I meant, but she can bring a lot of dialects. Exactly. Yeah. And thus we got the uh, Welsh moose Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, and the and the half things and, and everything. Yeah. Mm. It's it's fun having having followed the, the the group for a while and seeing how it how it develops and, mm. and mm. Uh, how you work together. Uh, one thing that that the listeners out there might be interested in knowing is that Andreas has mentioned that Tärningen är kastad, uh, his first podcast. Uh, Andreas, can you tell us what that means in English? Oh, that's the dice cast. Alia jakta est the famous Caesar quote. So now you don't have to uh, sit there and wonder what was ah, the name true. of that. One. Yeah, you branched out from Forbidden Lands, mm-hmm. and then you played uh, Coriolis. Was that it? That was the next campaign. Okay. Uh, but f- between the first two seasons, we did a one shot of, of Tales from the Loop with Gabriel De Boer's guest GM, uh, and then after the second season of Forbidden Lands, we did a one shot of Western. We did two cult one shots, one collaboration with Matthias Fredriksson from. Redmond role playing, uh, and then we 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 started playing Coriolis. So so what 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 is it with the Zero engine that you feel works for you? Well, it's a system that they know, so it's much <laughs> easier. To... <laughs> yeah, that's a good enough reason as any. Yeah. any I mean, any I, I like it. It's not my preferred system, especially for for podcasts. Uh, for for podcasts, I much prefer uh, Powered by the Apocalypse games. I feel they're much more narrative and much more easy to 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 you know just make a roll and then you go past the situation. It's not a bunch of you know attributes lowering will points, yeah. you know. Uh, so yeah, but I but I do really enjoy uh, the the Year Zero games. Uh, more for their settings mm-hmm. than their than the actual engine. The engine is good because it's simple, it's easy to learn, and since they use ad- adapted versions of that engine for every game, you can pick up any freely game and you'll know more or less where to start. Mm-hmm. So I really like that about about their games. But I I completely adore. This. I, I said several times that Coriolis is probably my favorite. RPG setting, uh, original RPG setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel it's such a rich world, and there's so much to do there. I I completely adore it. I, I love it, and I think what they did with like Tales from the Loop, Alien, all all these games. It's it's um, yeah. I really like the 
the writing of their games. I think it's interesting how they uh, how they have adapted the the ESR engine to, to many different uh, genres. Mm-hmm. Say that. Mm-hmm. Say that. One game that was really popular uh, in Swedish actual play podcasts. And also one of your most popular uh, short campaigns uh, was the Vasen ones. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Matthias uh, were, took on the roles, uh, role as a game master. Mm. Uh, did that feel uh, strange to you that suddenly you weren't the game master? No, oh, it was just a relief and a joy to be able to play. Uh, and, and, uh, and the first season they did when I wasn't around because he also took on the reins of being a GM of a game so that I could get a bit of respite Mm -hmm. in writing and editing. Uh, That was a Christmas special, wasn't it? uh, It turned out, it it, it wasn't supposed to have been that, but it turned out to be that. Okay, yeah. Um, Because it coincided with Christmas and we had done a a Tales from the Loop Christmas special the year before. And I said, we need to do a Christmas special and Oh yeah, Vasa's coming up, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm actually this one could actually be a Christmas thing." So, but what I loved most about that was that for the first time ever, I was a Sweden Rolls listener. Huh. I got to listen to a Swedish Sweden Rolls story without knowing what comes next, without knowing because he did all the editing as well. I had no hand in that. Hmm. So, so I, as soon as he dropped them on Patreon, I was there, and I was like. What happens next? What happens next? This is so exciting. Uh, uh, because I wanted to experience what our listeners experience. Because mm-hmm. I I never get to do that. Mm-hmm. All the other ones, they skip a one-shot now and then. Yep. So they, they have done this like since we started. Except for Anneli, who seems to always be around. <laughs> yeah. More or less. Um, Boundless energy. Yeah, exactly. She just feels it's so much fun. She, 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 she really goes out of her way to really make sure she doesn't miss a session. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that, uh, it was just a joy and a delight and a relief to get some help with, with game mastering, for sure. I'd like him to do even more. And we're actually... My, our patrons might actually get some more guest GMs from the players of Sweden Rolls. Okay. Soon, I hope. Very interesting. Yeah, perhaps Very interesting. even quite soon. Okay. Perhaps. Let's uh, put the podcast aside for a while because mm-hmm. that, that's not the only thing that you've brought to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been working a lot the, the last couple of years. First time I met you, mm-hmm. that was uh, when you were uh, preparing to play The Bitter Reach mm-hmm. uh, and also to write the music for The Bitter Reach, mm-hmm. the book I wrote for, yeah. for Free League. Um, so you are now a composer. People mm-hmm. think of you as the podcaster that is also a composer or a composer mm-hmm. that is also a podcaster. It's mm-hmm. it's also like, it's almost as if it's mixed together. It's like you're, mm-hmm. you're 50-50 mm-hmm. in people's minds, mm-hmm. basically. So yeah. what is it with music and role-playing. Uh, tell us more about what, what, why is it so important to you and mm. who are you as a musician and how did you come to think about I'm going to try to write a soundtrack for this? Mm. Oh, wow. That's so many questions in one. Uh, as a musician, I, I've, I was a heavy metal drummer in like my school years. Uh, and then... 
in my early 20s, I, well, when I was like 17, 18, I started listening a lot to Irish music. And then, of course, if you, if you play a bit of music, then you start to try and play whatever music you listen to. And then I met an accordion player during a kind of outdoor musical uh, farce kind of show where mm-hmm. I played the, the leading role. And during the rap party, we, we started jamming because we realized, we, realized bo- we both knew a lot of Irish songs, the same songs. <clears throat> so we started a band, which now actually this year has a 20th anniversary. Okay, and the name is? Klontorf Banshees. Okay. It's impossible to remember. It's the worst band name ever. <laughs> As opposed to my heavy metal band name, which was Ultimate EK, which is probably my best band name oh, ever. No, so I, but that's my, I call that my like home base, Irish trad. That's, that's, that's home for me. And I, I've dabbled in Swedish trad, but it's much more complicated. So it's, mm-hmm. I can't really play that. And I also play some Oktoberfest music. I play drums and sing in German at the same time. Oh, okay. <clears throat> for, for the listeners again, uh, unless you, you don't know, um, <clears throat> Andreas can also sometimes be found at uh, a local restaurant here in Old Town in Stockholm, yeah. where he plays live music uh, during the... the, the the serving of, of the food. It's yes. a Viking restaurant. Yeah, a Viking restaurant yeah. called Eifer. It's just a few blocks away from where we are. I'm yeah, actually yeah. on my way there to do a gig after we wrap here. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's cool. Yeah, so I play a bit of harp, uh, play nickelharpa, key harp, a very specific Swedish instrument right now. Or it's been only only been preserved in Sweden, basically, all over the world. Uh, so um, Playing music and writing music mm-hmm. is, is not always good. The, the progression oh no 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 I, I know lots of musicians who have who never write music yeah. so music. so why did you start writing music I'm a very creative person I like to create that's that's what I do I'm not always very good at it uh, my all all my creations whether it be in writing or music or uh, stage or uh, whatever whatever it could be it's always based on simplicity because I'm a Jack of all trades, master of none. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I've yet to gain virtuosity in anything in life at all. I just, I just put my sticky fingers in all the pots on the table, and I never spend enough time in one pot to actually, you know, finish it, and and become really good at something. So, so that's why that's why I, I dabble in too many things. Some have said, and and. Did you start writing music before you were thinking about doing the soundtracks, or, or did that start oh, yeah. at the same time? Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, because I'd I'd been a um, uh, if someone wants a, a really extensive uh, Swedish speaking person uh, extensive discussion of this, I, I guessed at a podcast called Entlien Spelmusik, I think it's called. Okay, I never uh, heard of it. Which was basically just a, an hour and a half discussion just about gaming music and my, my view on that. So wow. if someone who speaks Swedish wants to listen to that, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting uh, discussion I had with Christoffer Kjönström, I think. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. uh, but I'll try and give an abbreviated answer here. I, I've always been interested in having background music when, when I play. It started when I did a cult campaign back in 95, 96, 
which I still bring up as one of the best campaigns I ever played. It was my, yeah, that Forever GM I yep. told you about. Mm-hmm. Yep. He wrote a campaign based in uh, so the Soviet Union around the time of the Second World War, I think. The campaign started in, in early 30s and then it went on for 10, 15 years in game. And it was, I, it was so scary. I, every time I went home from that session, those sessions, I was so scared. Every shadow was something lurking, trying mm-hmm. to kill me. Uh, and he used some, yeah, obviously not time typical uh, music from that era, but you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, uh, and it was just so scary. And since then I tried to incorporate music as backgrounds when I play. So in the days of the file sharing mm-hmm. era, uh, before it was in- illegal to actually download uh, stuff, I downloaded a shit ton of, of, of songs uh, from different soundtracks, but not these super famous ones, mm-hmm. not the main Braveheart theme, not... Uh, I actually accidentally included uh, the, the main theme of Pirates of the Caribbean uh, in a fighting uh, playlist, and everyone was just like, oh, this is Pirates of the Caribbean, because I, w- I don't want people to think of the f- yeah. movies... I wanted to be more obscure things. Yeah. So it was more like Excalibur or Legend yeah. or that kind of stuff. And uh, Still, Pirates of the Caribbean is a splendid Oh, uh, I love soundtrack. it. I love it. It's, it's, I love Hans Zimmer. I'm super mm. bummed that I missed his concert this Saturday yeah. because I was, uh, I was busy with a gig. But um, yeah, but I was so uh, ambitious with this playlist. I even listened to all the songs that they... I make playlists for uh, caves, for sneaking, for inns, for combat, after combat. And then I even sat within that playlist and ordered them so that there wouldn't be any major changes in volume. Or So I was super, super ambitious with this. Wow. And uh, then we started playing actually with the same GM as I talked about earlier. We could give him a name. His name yes. is Kai Nilsson. Kai Nilsson. Yes. Uh, Ho- hope you're listening to this, Kai. You sound like a fabulous game master. Uh, he is. He is. Uh, and we were going to start playing The One Ring. And I played a dwarf character. Still one of my favorite characters I've ever played in a campaign ever. Uh, and he asked, like, do you have some dwarven music? And I think uh, this was around a time when we were about to start handling the Kastad. Uh, and I was like, what do you mean? Do you mean if I have it or if I can make it? And he said, well, either. I meant if you have it, but if you can make it, that's even better. So I started spending a lot of time uh, making some dwarven tracks, like a dwarven burial hymn, okay. a dwarven march, a dwarven fighting theme uh, for that campaign and then I as we started tanning in the castado the dice cost uh, I realized we should have we need to have I, I want us to have background music uh, but I don't want to have music that someone else will have I want to have original music uh, which back then at least I hadn't heard about it we're talking like five years back uh, back then, I hadn't heard about anyone like writing original music for an RPG podcast. Um, so, I think I even wrote like 
certain characters got their own theme songs, uh, which is something I brought into Forbidden Lands. I don't know if the listeners have noticed it, but all the main characters of Forbidden Lands, they have their own theme song. And as Serenella and Nissel have started to develop somewhat of a will-they-won't-they they yeah. thing, I've actually started to including a track that mixes both, oh, and both okay. of their yeah. things. Okay. So it's, I, I like to play, play with that. I like yeah. to, yeah. So that's how, how me creating game music started. With him asking for a few Dwarven songs, yeah. then writing for, for the podcast, and then... Um, yeah, and then I got the question, both from Eluso and from Fjell Jan, almost at the same time, actually. I got, I think Eluso was ahead with just a few weeks. Uh-huh. They were doing Call of Cthulhu Sverige, and they knew that I made original music for Sweden Rose. Uh-huh. And they asked me if I could do a soundtrack for that. And then just a few weeks later was the Bitter, Mar- the Bitter Reach uh, uh, Kickstarter. Yeah. And, and Nista called me in the middle of it and said... We need a stretch goal. They were plugging through everything. Uh, can you make a soundtrack? And I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, this is what we have. Can you, can you do it for this? Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, sure. And that was it. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 so, that's, that's cool. Uh... And I feel like if, looking back at those two now, it's almost, I, I, it's, it's a, I wouldn't say embarrassing, but there, there's certain aspects of certain songs in those where I feel like, oh, I wouldn't have made that choice yeah. now, okay. you know. So I, I, it's also interesting because there's such a, since I hadn't made music on that scope before, really, you know, because the, the background music for the podcast is even simpler, even more droney yeah. and even more, you know, like uh, less dynamic. So it's... It's interesting to see the. De- I can go back and see my own, de- like development as a, as a composer. And I, I, I think that that's a good thing because because if if I pick up texts I wrote twenty thirty years ago, uh, that were published, mm-hmm. uh, and I look at them and I think, holy moly, why did I write that? <laughs> I wouldn't do that today. I would do. Mm. Another way, and I think that's that's a good thing mm-hmm. because you, you need to learn, you need to grow, you need mm-hmm. to change mm. to to have it feel interesting still. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it just becomes the same, same old, same old, same exactly. old. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I think that's a natural natural yeah. thing to do. It, it, it's fascinating. Uh, we met at Gothcon uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, or something. Uh, Gothcon is Swedish uh, role playing convention. Uh, you, oh, you've been hearing the interviews from Sweden Rolls uh, from Gothcon, um, and I used, I played, I play tested uh, an adventure site for for Binlands, mm-hmm. and I I used your Bitterreach soundtrack uh, as a ba- backdrop, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's an interesting experience. But you say that there there is a difference between doing a soundtrack, making mm-hmm. a soundtrack, and making music for the podcast mm-hmm. so w- what's your thinking about what's the, you said it was about droning yeah what is it you What's you need to do with the podcast music that you don't do with the soundtrack it's the other way around it's like i do less stuff with the podcast music okay. mm-hmm. and i think with especially especially the call of cthulhu one uh was really very very 
uh, almost like if you would just put it on, it would sound boring, very boring to listen to if you just put it on. Uh, I think I did slightly better with Bitter Reach and then even better with Vassen and, mm -hmm. and with Twilight 2000. And I think I might even, maybe not improve, but I at least stay on Vassen Twilight 2000 level with my next Blood March uh, soundtrack. Uh, but I've tried to to mix it up a little bit so that it is enjoyable to listen to as a song as well as functioning as background for for role-playing games because I as a composer feel also that you know the first time people will download it or listen to it on Spotify will not be around the gaming table they're not going to bring a song they never heard and just put it on because Oh, it says it's the neck mm. from Vassen. So we have a neck here. They're going to want to listen to it first. Yeah. And if it's too boring, they're not going to bring it to the table. So I think I've, I've felt an increasing, uh, <clears throat> an increasing uh, feeling of, an increasing need to, to at least spice up the songs a bit more, to make mm -hmm. them a little bit more interesting to listen to. Yeah. What, what, what? What's the process like when you when you create a soundtrack for, for example, Bitter Reach or mm -hmm. like Vassen mm -hmm. or Twilight Two Thousand? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the setting is the setting is the start, middle, and finish for me. Uh, I make very setting specific soundtracks. Uh, of course, you could use a Bitter Reach if you play Forbidden Lands or if you play D and D also. But I think uh, if you've read the Bitter Reach and you you listen to the music, you you'll know why why the tracks are named what they are mm -hmm. and and so that's what i really really uh try and try and bring to the soundtrack it needs to be because it because i i got the job doing it because they're making a book mm -hmm. they're they're writing a setting you're writing a, a world in the frozen north <laughs> so the process is start to get into the setting, uh, hopefully get some early alphas to read, or even as in both yours and Eric's uh, cases, just a Word document, like, okay, it's the, not even a PDF yet, but here, here's the text, what can you find here? And, and also asking you, I don't remember if I did, but I think I asked you uh, both in terms of overall feeling, but also is there a scene, is there an NPC that mm -hmm. you feel yeah. would need a... Uh, a, uh, a song yeah. that would work well. Uh, so I try to collaborate with the author as much as mm -hmm. possible. Yeah. I send the draft. I always send the, the early draft, the old early concept ideas, to both the publishers and the uh, the author, yeah. uh, because I want input from 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 both perspectives. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it's uh, that that's how I start, and then I start with. Uh, yeah, trying to find some ambiences, mm -hmm. that's, that's quite common, uh, that I feel capture the, the spirit of what I want to do. And then I, I look at instrumentation, like what, what instruments would these people use? What, what, do I, what can we find in our world that I feel could be uh, something that captures a feeling that would be the same for these? So with the Wolf King, for instance, I, I, I went a lot with Native America mm -hmm. and, and South America with those kind of uh, flutes and, and um, 
uh, percussion mm -hmm. uh, because I felt that that like kind of a nomadic lifestyle would be would be uh, yeah and with um, for me the uh, the Asleens mm -hmm. I've always associated them with with Mongolians yes. Mongols. Uh, so when I when I when I'm doing the blood march now, I I looked at you know Mongolian slash Chinese instruments. Wow. Uh, for that, trying to use that. Uh, and of course, if there's if there's something big like the ice giants, mm -hmm. then you want a lot of bass. Yeah. So you want like you you might want a, a contra bassoon or a bassoon at least, and you want heavy. Uh, double basses, you know, and uh, yeah, and sometimes you get something very like what with Blood March. I got a lot from Eric. He he sent he told me I would very much like a song that is in five to uh, five five four time. Okay, like five beats. One two three. One two one two three. One two because that if you're rolling a boat. Oh. Okay. That's one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three. It goes slower when the oars are in the water. Yeah. Goes slightly faster mm -hmm. to get the oars yeah. there. So that was, you know, and I, I, me and Matthias play, we play a song which he sings in 5 4 time uh, when we play together at IFRI sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I'm, uh, but that's the only experience I have with that time. So I've never done anything like that before. And also he, um, he sent me, well, I've listened to this a lot when I've written it, and it's just like five contra bassoons <laughs> playing different dissonances. Uh, yeah. So I was like, this is awesome. I love it. Yeah. I, I'll see what I can do inspired mm -hmm. by this. Yeah. So there's a, there's a very cool contra bassoon song. It, originally, it was only three contra bassoons. Uh, and then I had the uh, hurdy-gurdy player, Joran uh, Halmarken, who did the work for one or two songs on Vassen, mm -hmm. who's doing some hurdy-gurdy work for me on, on Blood March, who went like, hey, you know what, this, this, that one, that contrabassoon, uh, wouldn't it be cool to have a cello there instead? And I was so narrow-minded, I was like, no, it's a contrabassoon song, but I'm like, Okay, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll try it. Mm -hmm. I'll try it. And I, I swapped it with a shallow and it was just like, oh, this yeah. is so much better. But you, you do your, most of the work is in the computer. Yes. Um, so far, with Vess and Mythic Britain and Ireland, mm -hmm. I will for the first time do predominantly um, actual instruments. Studio yeah. recorded? Uh, Studio-ish recorded. Studio-ish, yeah. okay. Yeah. Otherwise, the budget would go to paying the studio, mm. and I would do the work for free. Yeah. So, how long does it take for you to make a, a soundtrack? It takes quite a long while because I need it needs to marinate a lot for me. Uh, a song I can do very quickly, yeah. but a song a soundtrack also needs an overall needs something to bind it together. So you need to have much more in place. It's not just writing ten songs. Yeah. It's writing 10 songs and the bigger picture. And you need to write a few songs that you throw away and say, no, okay. we can't use this yeah. because it's not, it doesn't make the cut. So, yeah, so it's, um, uh, yeah, it takes a long while. Often because 
I'm also a procrastinator. <laughs> so, you know, it's... Uh, I can recognize that. And, and, and the Free League have been very, very... Uh, they are very generous. patient. And patient, yeah. they're like it's it's better that it it's it's good and late than mm-hmm. it's on time and not you great. feel that it's not the quality you could bring. So that's very good. But for a procrastinator as me, it's not very good. I need that deadline to actually get to work and get yep. it done. But uh, still, counting, you know? counting hours, uh, maybe I don't know. 60, 70 hours total. Yeah, a couple of weeks work. Yeah. 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 I was about to say, still, you're not cookbook uh, late. No, I'm not cookbook late. But <laughs> as we know, it might it's, be coming now. It might be coming. Might be coming uh, now, yeah, we heard that in, in an interview from Gothcon. Um, if you would rank three of your most important soundtrack influences, who would that be? Oh, the first two are super easy. That's Ennio Morricone. And it's Basil Polidori's Conan soundtracks. Uh, they are 100% my, my two main influences uh, in everything I do. And then for the third one, that would have to depend on the setting, okay. I think. You know, for, for Vass and Mythic Britain and Ireland, of course, it would be I, my Irish backness with Irish music. Mm-hmm. Um, and for uh, Twilight 2000, I actually, a bit too late, unfortunately, but I watched this, this uh, tank movie, Fury, with Brad Pitt from the Second World War. Uh, really dark Second World War movie. <laughs> As opposed to the funny ones. <laughs> no, but it's really, yeah. It's, I, and, and the soundtrack for that was just right up my alley. It was, I, I really love that. I also... Thoroughly enjoyed the uh, the work that Ludwig Göransson has done with the new Star Wars stuff with mm-hmm. the, uh, Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Like uh, you could bring in a composer who would try to copy John Williams yep. and try to do what he did, mm-hmm. but he went in a totally different direction and went like, "No, we're not doing space opera. We're doing space western." And mm-hmm. therefore, I'm going to look at Ennio Morricone. I'm going to look at some of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, I really love what he's done. He's a big influence. Sweden Rolls won the Ennis for best actual play in 2021. Uh, not the Ennis. Uh, we came no, in first place in of N-World's N-World. N-World, podcast. Ah, oh, yes. Lists every year. They list... Uh, oh, yes. They don't the have best. a category for uh, podcasts. Do they in the Ennis? Yes, they do. They, they do. do, okay. They have, they have one for one. all. Not okay. like for streams and podcasts, uh, discussion RPG oh, podcasts. Okay. I've been... Like begging them to split them up into yeah. at least two, but preferably three different yeah. categories. I can't see that you know cover illustration and interior illustration is and is is more different than, than actual, actual play is different from talk talk podcast. Yeah. You know. So uh, you won the N World vote for the best actual play podcast mm-hmm. uh, of twenty twenty one after having placed third. And then second. Second and then third, yes. Second and then third. Mm-hmm. And then you won it. So now mm-hmm. you're disqualified. We're disqualified. We, we have to hang out with uh, the Adventure Winter Zone in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. Which uh, which must be a drag, I guess. But <laughs> how did you feel when, when that happened? Uh, immense joy. Pride. 
Uh, and a little bit of relief, actually. Relief. Why? Why relief? Because, uh, you know, had we been placed, you know, eight, nine, ten every year, I would have thought that coming in first place would be impossible, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't even dream about it. I would be like, "Oh, let's make, let's try and make top ten again. Mm-hmm. Yay! We made top ten again. Yay!" But when we came in second, our very first year. I mean, the first thing I felt was like, well, how many more votes did the number ones get? Ah. That was my initial reaction, yeah. my first spontaneous reaction. But that was the year that, that the Adventure Zone won. No, they was won it? the first year. We the first year. We weren't around. No, you weren't, we weren't around. around. Okay. Yeah. We, we'd been around. We released seven episodes, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, when those, when that voting, voting was around. So we'd been around for about a year. And, and yes, we, we came in second and the next year we came third, but ahead of us was the winner whose name I, my name's fixed. But in second place was like all the glass cannon network. Ah, yes, of course. Thing. And I mean, I, I don't have, I don't mind coming in second place after them because of course they, they have a lot more listeners than we do. So. Yeah. Um, so when you got that recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that spur any new thoughts about the future for Sweden Rolls? What What is the future for Sweden Rolls? The future is we want to try and make a lot more cooperations with game creators, with other podcasts, with people who are not into podcasts at all. I mean, maybe get some more, even more famous actors to join us sometime. Um that's 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 the future and also a lot of conventions we were just about to go to our very first gothcon and nordkrian when the pandemic struck okay. so uh yeah we are so looking forward to going to nordkrian to going to meltisveckan uh going to the world's longest book table just yeah. an event in stockholm in, in late august are you going to lund with the uh Cthulhu thing we then? might we mm-hmm. might yeah. we okay. we've from what I understood, the first thing we have to do is like send in some kind of application or something. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably do that. Yep. I don't know. I know that I know that the um, Anders Jansson, a very famous Swedish comedic actor, uh, he is involved in that in some way. So he's doing some kind of actual play. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing he will bring in his own people. I don't know, but uh, they might be interested in several actual plays. Uh, but I. I've seen one longer article about it uh, when they interview some of the Eluso people and some people from Lund mm-hmm. and Anders. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it was a bit hard to get, get a grip of exactly what they're planning. Yeah. So okay. we'll see. So, so you, you were talking about uh, hoping to expand Sweden roles into something that might become your main income. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you do that? How what would you have to do to to start to make so much money that you can live off it? Mm-hmm. Well, we need to grow. So everyone is listening. Tell ten friends about us. <laughs> uh, no, but we need we need to grow, grow, growing. Well, I mean, we're big, but but we we could be bigger. Uh, and 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 you playing Baldur's Gate is that a part of that strategy? 
Uh, yeah, of course. We, we said, okay, we've been around for two years and we've grown somewhat. Uh, let's, let's dip our toes into this uh, D&D. And the first thing I thought was, well, how will, we, uh, how will we be different? How will we reach through the fog of, you know, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of D&D actual plays? And I'm a huge fan of the old computer game. And, uh, and I just, the thought just struck me. I, I'm a very creative person. I get a lot of thoughts and ideas that just boom and then I forget to write them down and then they're lost forever. <laughs> but this one, I, I really like spend a lot of time thinking about because I got it as a, just a spur of inspiration. And I thought, oh, I think it was actually when I saw the first trailer for Baldish Gate 3. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And I was like, uh, now it's really becoming an, a role-playing game for real, you mm-hmm. know. It's yeah. and I, as much as I love the old games, it's you know the graphic isn't great and it's the that's the charm. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I I love it. I yeah. love the game to death. I yeah. can't say anything bad about it. But it's, it's and again, very great soundtrack by Michael. Oh. Yes. But it's uh, yeah. So so I I was like okay. So if we do Baldur's Gate to TTRPG, that's never been done before, and there's so many. By that we wouldn't only reach uh, pen and paper RPG players. We might also reach people who play computer games, mm-hmm. who don't play RPGs, yep. uh, but they wanna. They might not want to spend because you spend a lot of time when you play Baldur's Gate one and two. It's very time consuming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what if you could blow through? Um, like each chapter in just four or five hours. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I picked the, the, the and I got some old Baldur's Gate players along as well as, as um, uh, to discuss like, okay, which side quest mustn't we like uh, edit out? Yeah. Which, which, which ones do we need to bring yeah. in there? Mm-hmm. Uh, and which ones do, can we skip? And which, which NPCs and... Yeah, or I mean the Khalid and and uh, Imwan and Jahira and Minsk I knew from the start because those are the ones I always played yeah. with. I hardly know the other ones because I've never played with them. I had the there's a cleric called Branwen or something. I, I think I might have had her for a while. Yeah. In Baldur's Gate two there are a few other ones. There's uh, Yoshimo and the uh, the the elf lady, but uh, uh, the one who lost her wings. But ah yes. Um, so those two, I I've played with. It, but that's for Baldur's Gate too. So that's far in the future. Um, so I knew all along because those were the NPCs that I because I was the only one who had played the computer game. Huh? So if they want to ask me, well, what's this character like? I could be the one saying. Okay, this was uh, Jahira wouldn't do this, no, or no Minsk wouldn't do this, or in that situation, I don't direct them as we're playing. But after an episode, yeah. I might go, you know what? For another time, yeah. I think that Jahira would do that differently. Dungeons and Dragons is such a behemoth; it's such a juggernaut yeah. that, yeah. that it seems uh, difficult to imagine that you could that you could play anything else. Mm. But I think that Sweden Rolls have have shown that it is possible to, mm. to create interesting stuff 
using uh, other types of role play. I mean, there, mm. there's a niche for that as well. It's mm -hmm. not, not being not Dungeons and Dragons mm. is, is a thing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I mean, my many players in America are of the same sentiment that, you know, no, I don't want to play Dungeons and Dragons because other games are much more fun. Mm. Uh, it's, I, I really want to come away from this either or. Yeah. Uh, because I love playing D&D &D and I love playing mm -hmm. other games as well. I, I, I want to have all of them. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, mm. I think that we have uh, reached the end of uh, this discussion. Mm. Um, is there anything else you would like to talk about and want to add now that I haven't asked you about? Something mm. you want to say to the listeners apart <clears throat> from that you love them all very much? Yes, very, very, very much. Uh I don't know. Oh, maybe if you are not living in Sweden, please contact your local gaming convention and beg for them to contact us to come and do a live show because we want to go to Germany, we're going to want to go to Italy, we want to go to the States, we want to go to uh, Gen, uh, Gen Con, we want to go to UK Games Expo, Dragon Meet, we want to go to all of those places. So, yeah, that would be awesome. So if you want Sweden Rolls to come to your convention, you have to uh, make that happen. They will gladly jump on a plane and uh, fly wherever you might take them, yeah. I guess. Uh, so we have reached the end of this uh, fabulous discussion with Andreas Lundström. As is the tradition of uh, Sweden Rolls, we end this uh, interview by firing off some quick questions to learn a little bit more about our esteemed guests. Let's see if I can answer these a bit more briefer than my guests uh, normally uh, 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 yeah, <laughs> What is your favorite RPG? I've always said The One Ring. I've always said The One Ring. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'll go with The One Ring. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a preference in genre? I do have a, I do have a small preference of fantasy RPGs. Mm -hmm. I do, because it, that's my base. It's, yeah. The, the, I think this one is, is, is not very difficult. Music when role playing, yes or no? <laughs> yes, please. Yes, 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 please. please. <laughs> uh, preferably self written. Uh, yes. Snacks during sessions, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. What kind of snacks? Uh, if you're not recording a podcast, it might be like any snack. Otherwise, mm. try and keep it a bit quiet. Uh, like buns are much better than chips because. Crisps. Crisps, yeah, sorry, crisps. <laughs> Uh, we had that discussion last time I talked yeah, to you. Yeah, we well. did, yeah, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Christmas, yes. Yeah, exactly. So, no, uh, yeah. Otherwise, I'm not, uh, yeah. I mean, if you play a board game, it shouldn't be very sticky. You don't want a lot of sticky stuff on the cards and okay. stuff like that. But apart from that, yeah, you need snacks. If, it's, if there's no snacks, that's 10% <laughs> away off the experience. Alcohol during sessions, yes or no? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be alcohol, but I don't mind if it is. I think it's quite fun. Uh, but make sure to only include it when it's people that can handle it. Because I've sadly been in, having some experiences with people who couldn't handle it and uh, ending with rage, rage quitting the campaign and the group altogether. Hmm. So, yeah. Is there any any type of uh, drink that you prefer when, when when gaming? You know, I'm a setting nerd. Like you know, it's if it's fantasy, I like an <laughs> ale in a tin cup. Ah, uh -huh, okay. Uh, 
or and if it's um, if it's Star Wars, it's some blue milk. Yeah, exactly. Some something like something very weird. Yeah. Uh, and if it's no, if I can't find that, a whiskey will do because then I can pretend it's like some distilled oil or something. Yeah, you uh, got some mead from from one of your listeners. Yes, yes, we got some mead from from. Um, from oh Daniel, yeah, yeah Daniel, I think, yeah, 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 yeah. And we also got some glögg from from Niklas Schnackenberg as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah. So if it's a Christmas special, glögg, of course, uh, glue wine, uh, mulled wine, and if it's yeah, if I would ever play vampire, I you have to drink red wine, don't yeah, you? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, last question: uh, Are you a game master or a player character? Hmm. I'm I'm going to copy the answer that many of my guests have said. I I would very much like to do both, but gone to my head, if I can only choose one for the rest of my life, it would be GM. Uh, but I would be unhappy because I like to play as well, and I get to play far too seldom. I was very happy when I could join you yep. for your uh, play test of your new adventure site. Oh yeah, that was uh, and got fun, even though it was just uh, for the end. But I yeah, I love being a player. I really do. It's it's a narrow win for GM. Mm-hmm. Good. So uh, that is it for this special episode of Sweden Rolls. Thank you so much for being here, Andreas. Thank you for having me. And thank you to all listeners out there. Goodbye and farewell. You've listened to an interview by Sweden Rolls. If you want the full-length version of this interview, visit patreon.com slash swedenrolls where you will find the unedited version available to our patrons at Orc level or higher. Also check out all the amazing campaigns and one-shots that Sweden Rolls have played over the years. There is something there for every taste. Goodbye until our next meeting when Sweden Rolls once once again! again!